Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSEN. Okay, it's the penultimate Saturday of the college football regular season. Two weeks to go as we say hi and a happy Saturday to you. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Mr. History over there at the Borgata, Michael Lombardi, (laughs) as we say what's up. You know, what's interesting about college football that I want to quickly ask you about Cleveland and Buffalo uh, tonight, a little bit of an anomaly because it's the Pac-12's time to shine. You know, USC is still in this mix for a college football playoff and they got UCLA tonight. I mean, in UCLA, you know, last week against the Arizona Wildcats, they don't play very well. I mean, Arizona behind Jared DeLorean, really, I mean, he is Bryce Young light. And I'm not sure he's too light. Like, I I mean, if you watch Arizona's offense and watch him play and then watch Alabama, obviously Alabama's got more uh, improved, a better offensive line in front of him. But Arizona, but this kid's really special. And he really beat UCLA. Uh, Chip Kelly was was in all of them. I mean, that was the difference in the game. I mean, that and, and for the first time all season, Arizona played a little bit of defense. So this would be a huge game. I see a lot of people on on UCLA in, in Matt Eumann's contest. Be interesting to talk to him uh, all over UCLA. It seems like that's the best bet of the day for a lot of the Sharps. It really is. U- USC, UCLA, Rose Bowl today. So home field not in UCLA's favor. anybody be there? Will anybody be there, you think? There, there, will, there will be fight on Trojan fans there, I can guarantee you. I don't know about Bruins fans. Right now, USC Michael Lane, two, two and a half, an elevated total because these last three meetings between the two, USC and UCLA, have gone well over the mid-60s. It's now 76 and a half. So we'll get wow. to that game coming up in just a little bit. Um, one thing I wanted to start, this is kind of odd on a football Saturday, but, you know, it's a weird college football week anyway, because next week is rivalry week. So this is almost like the calm before the storm. And speaking of storms, what the hell is happening in Buffalo? I'm taking a look right now. Remember, Cleveland and Buffalo has been moved to Ford Field, climate controlled there in Detroit. I don't think this Buffalo team is playing on Sunday. I don't think they're getting out of Buffalo. I don't know how that, forget about getting out of Buffalo. How are they getting out of their houses? Like, have you seen this? Like, this is unbelievable. Like, the snow is so high. Like, like, what do you, I mean, you're not Batman. You don't have, like, you're not going to be able to just melt the snow away. I, I, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. How do you get these kids out of their houses? 
you know, and some of them are from California and the south. I mean, they're not used to seeing this much snow. I mean, a light dusting, and they don't even get in their cars. I, I, I don't know. I thought, to me, this is just me, I thought once they declared the game in Detroit that, that the Bills would have been like, you know, hightailing right out of Buffalo. Even if they had a bus to Cleveland for the night, right, stay there, get, and then, then bus over. You know, like just basically we got to get out of here before the storm hits us. And now they're stuck. Like, that, that they said, Stephen Bond announced that the airport's open, that flights are going in. Like, who's flying to Buffalo right now? Like, once you land, how are you getting from the airport to where you live? You think Uber's taking you over there? I don't think so. I mean, who's Bond working? also, yeah, it's Stephen Bond, our producers from, from the Buffalo area. He also told us right before the show started, in typical Bill's Mafia fashion, they're measuring the snowfall in beer cans. So they're stacking the beer cans. I mean, why not? What are you going to do? I right now the number seven and seven and a half eight Buffalo Lane at there in Detroit. Remember that total jumped up to forty nine and a half when it went indoors. Have a hard time seeing this game getting played. I have a hard like you said airport. How about getting out of the house? I mean that's the problem. But I I mean so let's say by the end of today they can get there. I mean you got to believe the the Bills are on the phone with the league office. Can we just play this thing at four twenty five? Can we just play it at 425, you know, or can we play it? You know, I think that's what they got to be asking for. And then I don't understand why would they go back and have to deal with more storm? Where are they going to practice? I mean, I know they have an indoor bubble, but then they just got to get back on an airplane and fly back to Detroit on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, if they can look, move- look I, I was listening to the CBS morning show this morning, and they mentioned the last time they had one of these uh, what these uh, thunder snow. snow, lake effects, thunder snows. Thank you, Patrick. You know, that 14 people died. I mean, we're talking, I mean, this is serious right. stuff that, did you see the snow on some of these people's roofs? I mean, it's, there's a lot of it. And, and I don't think you understand it's heavy snow too. It's not like, okay, it's easy to shovel. It's not like Colorado snow, which kind of moves around fairly. This is hard to move. I mean, we could ask bond. I'm sure he's shoveled. Oh, it's, it's, it's dense. That lake effect snow, you nailed it. It's very dense. It's very heavy. All kidding aside, it's a dangerous situation in Buffalo. Stephen Bond just said in my ear that snow plows are getting stuck. When snow plows are getting stuck, you're, you're going the wrong way here. I mean, how are you getting, how are you getting from your house to the airport, to the facility to get on the buses and how are the buses get, I mean, like, this is not practical. Like, I think to me, you know, they, they, they've often said in, in, in most situations, end up going the wrong way you reacted too late too late is usually synonymous with a mistake and i think the bills were too late to react to this i think they should have got out of town on thursday like i don't i i'm not a weatherman you know i try to practice as one but i i like we all do because i mean let's face it i mean you can be a weatherman and you're you got as much chance to be right as they do but so like I would have said, I'm out. Like, let's go. Let's we got to get out of here. Well, you let's were load screaming up the equipment and go. You, you were screaming it on Thursday, and I think there was obviously the NFL wanted to protect that home game in Buffalo. It's obviously uh, the setting is special, but they had to get the hell out of there. They had to see. We weren't talking about six inches. We were talking about six feet of snow. You were screaming on Thursday. How logistically did they botch this this badly? I mean, like they're going to wait it out like the implicate like there's 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 things that that happen with the storm that take time for it all to go. And and then hopefully, which I haven't heard and maybe Stephen Bond has, but there's a lot of people that lose power in these storms because the snow's so heavy, it takes power lines down. You certainly don't want that to happen. 
You know, so, and so I think to me that's the concerning part. So I have to ask you, Michael, then we'll get to the college, but let's let's talk about this. We even talked about how Buffalo, unfortunately, they had a bug going through the locker room. So players were sick. They've got injuries. Take me inside the locker room. This is, you know, 53 guys, uh, coaching staff, support staff, travel logistics. You got Sunday potentially in Detroit, and then they turn around away from family. They've got Buffalo, Detroit on Thanksgiving. I mean, this is a really peculiar, excuse me, super weird spot for an organization in Buffalo over the next six or seven days here. The hard part is, is everybody's talking about the storm and not talking about the Browns. That's the hard part, right? So your focus is on the storm. Your focus is on your right. kids. Your focus is on your wife, your family, your girlfriend, you know, your loved ones. You know, everybody's focused on that. You're not focused on when the Browns get into the uh, overfront and the tackle shades, you know, you, we got to be alert <laughs> for the safety blitz. We're not focusing on that, right? We're focusing on something else. And so that becomes the problem. Look, to me, the greatest thing about playing on Thanksgiving Day, if you're – I mean, we did it when I was in Cleveland. We went up to the Silverdome and got killed. But at least I was home in time for dinner, for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's your home, and then you have the weekend to yourself. So, like, this is – it's a little inconvenient, but it, but it's – you know, you play the – the game starts at 1230. The game's over by 330. Hopefully you're loaded in the plane by 5. You're home by 6. You're in your house by 7. You know, you can have you can at least that day have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you have Saturday and Sunday to kind of get yourself caught up. It's a great, great situation, especially when you don't have to fly across the country, when you're so close, when you're in that Great Lakes region. So it's a positive, but I don't understand all the inexcessive travel. Like fly one plane over there, get to hotels. You could find a place to practice. I'm sure you could go to Michigan State, Michigan. You can go anywhere to practice. There's enough indoor facilities in the state of Michigan. They like football there. Quick number check there on Thanksgiving. Buffalo's Lane 10, Detroit. Remember, those Lions players, they'll hop in their cars and they'll drive 20 minutes home while Buffalo continues to teal before and after the game with the travel and the logistics that are a nightmare. And as we transition, just, you know, like you said, I think the most important thing, everybody in the Buffalo region in Western New York, stay safe because that is a dangerous yeah. situation. No doubt. And you're worried about it. I mean, you're worried about people there and you're worried about – you know, can you get to, you know, getting to your car? I mean, the last thing you want to do is port some kid from, you know, southern Georgia or Florida who's never driven in snow very much. He goes out there and, you know, doesn't understand how to do it. it, it and the roads aren't clear, you know. And, and now, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just talking what Jeff Glore was telling me today, you know, on the CBS morning show. Like, now it's the temperatures are dropping. So, you know, now you got ice underneath all that snow. It's a hard. It's not an easy drive, so you want to be really careful. It really is. We'll have updates. I my assumption is over the next two hours here on the Lombardi Line, we'll have updates on what's happening with Buffalo. It feels like Twitter's popping up while Twitter is still alive. It's popping up with updates on the airport. Stephen, you can tell me my ear. Did you say? I, I, I love know, that. Isn't everybody it crazy? thinks Twitter's. Everybody thinks Twitter's going to die. The guy put a missile. The guy put rockets in there. He invented. He got an electric car. Like I. I don't know if what he's doing is right or wrong. I really don't, you know, because I'm not a Twitter fan. I use it, but I don't love it. But, like, I mean, give the guy – like, he. I think he knows what he's doing. I, I mean, I think he kind of does. As an aside, I don't think it would be the worst thing for society if everybody just took a sabbatical from Twitter just for a little yeah. bit and, and stop some of the negativity. It might heal us, yes. And stop some of the negativity. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we would all come together. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. I, I was on Angelo Cataldi on the morning show yesterday, and, and of course, Angelo says to me, you know, I got to read you this email I got from some fans saying that, you know, you know, jo- you like Josh McDaniels as a coach, and and uh, he lost to a, a high school coach, so this week are the, are the, are the Raiders going to lose to a middle school coach? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, hold on here. You know, this guy's sitting in his basement typing emails, like, seriously, let's go through the history <laughs> of the Raiders. Let's talk about this, you know, but nobody wants to talk about – Twitter is absent of facts when they state their opinions, which is one of the biggest things that are wrong with it. Yeah, it's a, it's essentially a cesspool, but necessary for the line of work we're in, no doubt. Okay, yes. here's what we're going to do. That's the update on Buffalo. We'll keep you updated. If Buffalo can get out of Buffalo really is the point of contention right now. When we come back, the third college football playoff rankings were dropped on Tuesday. Uh no adjustments in the top five, but it gets interesting. I've got eight teams, Michael Lombardi, that can make the final four. We'll come back with that. Tennessee is sitting there perfect. Tennessee is be better than Tennessee. Very oh, good it's spot. the best place to be. We'll talk about it coming up here at Lombardi Line on Saturday. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening. 
listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, snow in Buffalo, but it's nice at Del Mar, the racetrack, of course. And here are the top racing plays from Express Bet handicapper Jeff Siegel. In the fifth today at Del Mar, Jeff has the nine horse SEAL team at seven to two. And in the sixth race at Churchill Downs, Jeff has the one horse coach on top at nine to one. And you can bet those races and more at First Bet, VEASAN's preferred horse racing app. When you sign up for First Bet right now, you get 10 bucks. Also, if you use the code HORSE200, you get 100% match on your first deposit up to $200. So again, go to VEASAN.com slash horses for details. That's VEASAN.com slash horses for details. I said it was the penultimate Saturday. That means next week we wrap up the regular season. Some big games on tap next week, but excitement today as we welcome yeah. you back. College Football Week 12. Michael Lombardi there at the Borgata. I'm Patrick Maher are, live are, from Los Angeles. Are you excited for the Are you excited for the Texas A&M Massachusetts game? Is that what you're excited for? Yes. Which is causing all this stir? Like, you, where did this come from? Like, why is A&M playing UMass in the, the third week of November? Like, what, what is this all about? Like, I don't understand it. The SEC, they kind of, before the final week of the year, they get some of these cupcake non-conference games in to give them a little bit of a break, and that's what you're seeing. But it, as an aside, can we have a serious conversation about Jimbo, and then we'll get to the college football playoff committee and their rankings. They dropped their third yeah, sure. on Tuesday. So you've been ahead of this. Two years ago, when people were talking about Jimbo being brilliant, you were saying, pump the brakes. I went to his practice I didn't see much. Remember you were telling us about that? And now yeah, everybody's on, the, on, on board saying he's got a $90 million buyout or whatever it is, give or take a couple of million, and he's just not very good. They watch the offense. It's antiquated. It has no flow. I mean, this is a tough situation at A&M with Jimbo right now. No doubt. And he, here's where they are. Okay, so the, the, the alumni and the powers that be at A&M are going to tell Jimbo – you got to fire your offensive staff. You got to hire an offensive coordinator, and you can't be the coordinator. You can't run it. Okay, I mean that this is what they're trying to have happen. So West Virginia will fire Neil Brown, the head coach, probably at the end of the year. So West Virginia want they fired their athletic director. Jimbo's a West Virginia guy. Can they make that happen? Can West Virginia take on Jimbo? Now the problem is Jimbo's guaranteed his money. West Virginia doesn't have that money to pay him. So, but if you're Jimbo, you got to escape before the posse gets to you because if, it, if you lose next year, they're not going to tolerate you. They're going to pay it out. They're going to bite the bullet and pay you out. So there, there has to be some way with that West Virginia job, maybe you go there because that's a job he could get and be embraced. If he gets fired A&M, he's not going to – he's going to have to take like what Gussie had to do, go to Central Florida or go to one of those jobs, right? I don't think he would want to do that. So – you know, now he's got to make a decision. Do I fire all my offensive guys? I used to be a play caller. Now they're telling me I can't be a play caller. So that's a real issue. And I think there's a lot that goes on here. And, you know, and I, and I think it's, it's for me, he's got Jimmy Sexton, the best agent in all of football, the best college agent in all of football, who can maneuver these things behind the scenes as well as he does. And this is going to be a fascinating one, too, because, you know, how does he get to West Virginia? How does he still get his money all those things that happen. And maybe West Virginia just says, wait a minute, this is too rich. This is too expensive. You know, Nebraska's Trev Alberts is going through the process. You know, a lot of people think, you know, they're not, they wouldn't be interested in Jimbo Fisher because the reality of it is, is nobody wants to take on, like that problem is it's eight years at this ridiculous amount of money. Let's be realistic. We're about to go through the college football playoff rankings. 
there hasn't been a juxtaposition of a team in A&M preseason-wise, what the expectations were and where they are now. Michael, they're 3-7. and seven. They're 1-6. and six. They're behind Auburn in the SEC West. Auburn has been going through turmoil since the offseason and fired a head coach. They've lost six straight at A&M. This is completely unacceptable. The idea that they're, they're going to give them another year is fascinating to me. Well, they only they have to. They have to give them another year. You know, I, I believe his contract has no offset clauses in it, too. So if he goes somewhere else, he's entitled to double dip. Now, you know, I think he's got a smart enough agent to understand i got to make a deal here. Right. And, you know, Jimmy represents both – I think Jimmy represents both Jimbo and the athletic director at A&M. So, and, and so now you've got to figure out how this – this is all the maneuvering behind the scenes that fans don't see. But really, the only reason he'll still be the head coach at A&M if that happens next year is because they can't, they don't want to buy him out. It's not because they like him. It's because they don't want to buy him out. So that, there's the it's, problem. It's fascinating. And, it's and, fascinating. And, and here's what's going to happen. They're going to start losing. You know, he had this great recruiting class. They're going to start losing this recruiting class because players know that he's lame duck. The happiest person is your boy Nick Saban. Remember, they had the beef before the season started about maybe some shady recruiting tactics by Jimbo Fisher, and Jimbo has completely imploded. So anyway, that's the situation at A&M. Let's jump into the college football playoff rankings. So uh, no changes at the top, Michael Lombardi. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, they all won last Saturday. Now, the most impressive win was TCU. They won by a defensive effort there at Texas where their defense played very, very well. And then you've got Tennessee sitting five. Now, the one thing I will say about Tennessee is without a division or a conference title, remember, it's Georgia and the SEC East. So Tennessee, while they have probably the two best wins, Alabama and LSU, outside looking in, and they don't control their own destiny as far as they're not going to play for a division or a conference title here. Right, but how do they get jumped? Like, all they got to do is finish the business again. They got South Carolina today. You know, I know it's in South Carolina, but they should take care of business there. They, they take care of that game. I mean, they sit there in the perfect spot. TCU's got to not only beat Baylor today, which will be a hard game. They got to come back, and, and they're in Baylor. They're right there. Now, Baylor's not the same team that they were last year, but that'll be, this will be a really hard game for, for TCU, in my opinion. You know, especially considering that Baylor didn't play well last week. I thought Baylor was going to play better last week. They didn't. And then they got to play Iowa State at home, which they should beat Iowa State at home. But Iowa State's always a formidable opponent. And then they got to go to the Big 12 championship. So there's right. like these, the, 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 this is really, whereas Tennessee gets to just stand back and say, hello, how are you? You know, we're fifth. And when one of you loses, we'll jump into the position. It's kind of unfair that if you don't make the tournament, that you actually get, you have a benefit by it. I mean, it happened to Alabama last year, remember? Yep, absolutely. Small promotions from the committee to LSU. They jump up to six. USC jumps to seven. Remember, LSU is going to play Georgia in the conference title game there in Atlanta. Oregon, so they, and, they get, the, and they get beat in that game, and then there, they, there goes LSU, right? It's it, it, Listen, it's not a perfect science. It is what we have, though, with this college football but, but, playoff committee. But I think what they try, what they're trying to do in the Southeast Conference, I think it's probably smarter. They're, they're, they got to do away with the North, with the East and the West divisions because there is an imbalance there. Absolutely. You know, and so if they, and so they should just take the top two finishers and make them play. 
You know, Oregon's loss to Washington, they fall to 12. Horrible. And I mentioned, you know, there were two big losses last week. And if you think about the juice this USC-UCLA game would have had this week if UCLA had not lost to Arizona, and also if Oregon was still in the mix and hadn't lost to Washington. Now, Washington's a very good team and ranked, but that took some juice away from the Pac-12 last Saturday. No doubt it did. It really did. It took some starch out of it, especially, you know, look, Arizona's a program. Jed Fish has done a really nice job of kind of Great getting job. this back on track. They, they, they've got four wins, which nobody – they're over – I think their win total was two on the season, you know, which I thought they would go over. Uh, but they struggled to beat a North Dakota State team in week three of the season, you know. And so – and they've been close. They had Washington uh, up in Seattle on a rainy day. They had, they had USC. They, they were, they, and they had SC. You know, and they were right there. They've been close, and they finally broke through and beat UCLA. So it isn't that UCLA lost to a bad team. They lost to a team that hadn't really closed out games. Finally, they did. It'll be, they have a tough game today. Washington State, DeLorean's going to play against his former team, who basically sent him away, you know, because they wanted to bring in the, the quarterback from uh, – uh, they wanted to bring in another quarterback. So this will be a fun game. They're, they were a four-and-a-half-point dog at home. And now it's down to four, so that'll be a fun game to watch as well. Let me tell you why USC still alive here, Michael Lombardi. There's no margin for error, but remember, they are a hope in the Pac-12 because they get number 16 UCLA today. They've got Notre Dame, and then they're going to play in the Pac-12 championship game. So sitting at seven, if things unfold in front of them correctly, USC still got a shot here in Lincoln Riley's first year with all those transfers coming over with him. They, they really do. They do. And, and, you know, and they should be able to, you know, I'm surprised a lot of guys are on UCLA today, you know, but USC's defense is not very good. And maybe the wake-up call by Arizona last week was something to do. But, you know, I, I think to me, I would, if USC makes it ahead of Tennessee, like I would, I know there's polls and prices. I get that. But Tennessee's a way better team than USC. Hey, this is for the VEASAN audience and Nesson and the rest of the crew. You want to see Michael Lombardi get mad and triggered on a Saturday morning? Hey, Michael, let me give you the pathway for Clemson to make it in the final. Oh, God, nine. stop. Stop. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Clemson, you know, the, I'm told that Auburn is trying really hard to see if they can get Dabo to come down there. Now, Dabo's an Alabama guy. He's an Alabama guy. Dabo, the, he grew Dabo's up in Alabama. only taking Alabama. If he leaves Clemson, but he's, he's only, only taking Alabama. Alabama. But this is but this is the arrogance of Auburn's program. They actually think they can go get Dabo. Do you think Dabo would make a good NFL head coach? I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be a lot. I think he could build a program. I really do. I do too. I think I he'd really win do. anywhere. I think he'd be a good salesman. I think he'd be a good accountant. I think he'd be he'd a have good to have NFL a really good coach. staff. I think, but I think he would be really good at it, and he would know a lot of the players coming out like Jimmy Johnson did. TCU, Baylor, USC, UCLA next here at Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, college basketball is here, and so is the college basketball betting guide. Team pages for 363 D1 teams, conference breakdowns, tips for beginners on college basketball betting. This is a great, it's so extensive. It, use this college basketball guide as a guide to kind of ride shotgun with you through the college basketball season. It's the great work by Hoops Peterson and, of course, Matt Eumanns, who's going to join us here in 29 minutes on the Lombardi line. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe to get the college basketball betting guide. It's a great piece of work as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. One thing I will say about USC and UCLA today at the Rose Bowl, again, 9-1 USC still has an opportunity for that final four. Uh, 
US, UCLA gave up a ton of big plays to Arizona last week and probably got caught looking ahead to this matchup against USC. Yeah. But if you haven't seen Jaden Delora play there at Arizona, he is a stud. The quarterback at Arizona is legit. Just nobody watches Arizona play because it's Arizona and they've been so down. What's fascinating here is the offenses, Michael, USC and UCLA hold nearly every single advantage. I mean, these are two new defensive coordinators and two very bad defenses. I'll tell you this. I think USC's defense is one of the worst I've watched all year. They are dreadful. You know, and they're only fourth in the in the Pac-12 in overall defense, and, and UCLA's fifth in overall defense, and both these teams are in the top three in offense. I mean, USC's the best offense in the Pac-12. They're one of the best offenses in the country. They're third overall in the country offensively. So, you know, this is, you know, basically good offenses against bad defenses, which is why we see the total so high here. You know, and, and when you look at, you know, I mean, USC averages forty almost 43 points a game. You know, they're, they're, they're outstanding in getting the lead, but they, they struggle to hold on. Neither team is ever going to get control of this game because neither team is good enough on defense to get control of the game. And that and that's a real problem. And and so this is one of those where when you're handicapping it, I think this is one of the harder game to in bet to be in an in-game better because there's never going to be control. You're never going to be able to get that stop you need to get to get the game back in your favor. This has the last team with the ball wins the game type of game vibes all over it because literally one of the one team that forces a field goal or gets a defensive stop, that's going to be the difference in this game where USC does have an edge as they're better in the red zone, Michael, where I take a knock as far as USC is concerned. Travis Dye, their leading rusher, who's tremendous, he's out for the rest of the year. That's big. Austin Jones is a very good running back, but Travis Dye missing is a big miss. And UCLA's offense, you just mentioned DTR and Charbonnet. I mean, this is a legit potent attack for UCLA. These are two great offenses, and it's indicative there in the total at 76 and a half. Well, I mean, USC's 87% when they get to the red zone scoring touchdowns. UCLA's not quite as good. They're at 85%. So, I mean, neither team, whoever whoever gets whoever wins a four-point play might win the game. You know? I mean, that's <laughs> going to be the stop. key. Whoever gets a stop. And 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 I think when you watch when you watch the game, right? When you watch these teams play, I think you kind of get lured into thinking they're they're both they're both passing teams when in reality they're running teams. UCLA's the best team in the country. They average 6.2 for a carry. Now, USC's 12th at 5.42. So these teams want to run the ball. It's that six-back offense that makes them so effective. This is kind of where it originated from. The quarterback's going to be involved in the run game, and you're going to have to account for it. The Bruins hung 62 on USC last year, 62-33 winner for Kelly and UCLA. What's fascinating is about Riley is think about this. This was a 4-8 and eight team last year with USC, and he's got them sitting 9-1 and one in an opportunity to make the Final Four. That shows you, we were talking about Jimbo Fisher, that shows you what a head coach can do for a college program. Riley's already turned him around because he brought a bunch of transfers, including Caleb Williams, including Jordan Addison. I mean, he's done a hell of a job. Yeah, and, and I mean, but look, here, here's their concern. Earlier in the year, the first four games of the year, USC was playing relatively decent defense. I know they played Rice, you know, but against Stanford, they gave up 28. Then they come back against Fresno State, who's a very good offensive team. They only allowed 17. And then they played Oregon State, which we know is a good offensive team. They only gave up 14. But since that game, since the last four games, they have given up a ton of points. Now, Colorado only scored 17, but Colorado's a mess. Right, but they gave up forty-two to uh, to, to forty-three to Utah. 
They gave up 37 to Arizona, and they gave up 35. They gave up 35 to Cal, who just fired Bill Musgrave and their coaching staff. So, like, wait a minute. What are we doing here? Like, So they're, they're having more problems defensively as the year goes on. I'll tell you this. The line of the day, you always do your line of the week in the Lombardi look-ahead over at vsin.com slash subscribe. Here's what's fascinating. TCU is the fourth-ranked team in the country, Michael. They're 10-0. Yeah. They're 7-1-1, or excuse me, they're 7, I think it's 7-8-1-1 ATS. They're the fourth-ranked team in the country. They're lane two at a team that's 6-4 and four in Baylor at a team that just got smashed on their home turf, 31-3 by Kansas State. And TCU's only lane two. They were disrespected in Austin last week. And this is a disrespectful number for number four TCU today. Uh, I mean, and look, let's face it. I, I think what you have to really pay attention to here is that Bal- that you, TCU is the Minnesota Vikings of college football. No matter what they do, they don't get any love. I mean, they, what they don't do. And, and so I, I think to me this is a game where people have a perception that Baylor's still good defensively, right? They're not. They're not. They're 56th overall in the country defensively. Their pass defense is 70th in the country. That, that's that's going to make TCU more effective. This scoring offense for TCU is outstanding, right? They're the eighth-best scoring offense in all of college football. And when they have to throw the football, they're eighth in yards per attempt. They're eighth in yards per play. Their passing offense is outstanding. This is a tough matchup for Baylor. I agree with you, Pat Patrick. Everybody's taking Baylor here. Everybody's taking US, UCLA. But the matchup favors T- – this is probably one of those where TCU – I know it's going to be hard to win in Waco – uh, great stadium, great venue, all that. But Baylor has yet to demonstrate that they can play pass defense well enough to stop a good passing offense that Sonny Dykes has at TCU. And, of course, Duggan and the offense struggled against Texas, but you did see Quinton Johnson, that big wide receiver. He looked healthy. He had timely catches against Texas when it mattered. And you know what I like about TCU coming into this matchup, Michael, is they won at Texas with their defense. The defense is going to be the difference here as far as I'm concerned. That was a defense that held Texas to three points. Remember, a touchdown came on a turnover. So that was a defense for TCU that held Texas to three points at home there. I love the effort. And it's an offense that can score in TCU, 55 against Oklahoma, 43 against Oklahoma State, 41 against West Virginia, to your point about Baylor's D. Yeah, and the other thing I think pretty clearly is that Tech TCU played run defense. I mean, going into the game, they were not a great run defense against Texas, and they were able to play great. Look, we said this last Saturday, that Texas is not a, not a physical team. They're not tough. They'll never be tough with Sark. They're never going to be a tough physical team. Nope. You can keep going. You can give them all the praise you want about being this incredible play caller and his brilliant offensive mind. But when it comes to playing in tough games, they just don't. He didn't do it at Washington. He didn't do it at SC, and he ain't going to do it at Texas. So I'm just telling you, that ain't going to happen. It's soft. And TCU proved that they're not soft, and that's going to be the difference in the game today against Baylor. And it's pretty simple for TCU, Michael. If they finish as an undefeated Big 12 champion, they're going to be in the Final Four. They so have to be. It's not, right. They, they, they will be. So it's not like Sonny Dykes doesn't have the motivation to say, look, you've been disrespected. We've run the gauntlet. We played six tough teams for six straight weeks. We just went to Austin. We had the most impressive win on the, on the card last week. And now we're laying two to a team that just got crushed by 30 at home. Like, went out and we're in the Final Four. I mean, this is a miraculous run for this team. I mean, look, Kansas State just beat up Baylor last week, didn't they? I mean, it look, wasn't close. Nobody would, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't as close, close as the score indicated. It's thirty-one to three, and and Kansas State. I mean, look, they've done a great job with their program. I mean, he's got this thing turned around. You know, they're they're nineteenth in the country. 
So, like, it wasn't that Baylor, you know, that Baylor was looking past Kansas State. Kansas State going into that game was a good game. Now, they lost the week before to Texas in a, in a close shootout. I mean, remember, they got behind against Texas, and they came roaring back and just ran out of gas at the end. And we know that Baylor is one-dimensional. I, I know you like the quarterback, but he's struggled the last four weeks. They run the ball essentially 60% of the time, so we know yeah. exactly what TCU is going to be focused on is the run game. They were focused on Bijan Robinson in that run game against Texas and completely shut them down. I was impressed by TCU last week. Even though they didn't really get clicking on offense, I was very impressed by their defense last week in Austin. Yeah, I, I was impressed by their mental toughness. I think there's no doubt about that. I think – They've been able, like Minnesota, they've been able to handle all the all the all the stuff that comes at them, and they've been in close games. And one thing, you know, they say iron iron against iron creates creates more to iron, and I think that's what's happened. The more tough games you play, and the more tough games you win, the more mentally tough you become. I was hoping you're going to be able to finish that analogy because I couldn't finish it myself, so I couldn't help <laughs> you with the iron sharpening iron. But again, TCU uh, quickly. There are two sharp plays, and by sharp plays, we mean what are the pros betting? They're betting UCLA today, and they're betting Baylor today. That we know I that. Mean, so uh, I know we. I can't wait to get Maddie on because I went through all the picks today of his the, the the of his great contest that he's had, and you know now they're throwing people off board. It's Survivor, and and a lot of people's best bets. I mean, Bobby Buckets Brubeck, he's got he's got UCLA play. That's his best bet on the thing, you know. And a lot of people like that. I I, I to me. It's interesting. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see it that way, but a lot of people do. It's like PCU it's dogs. like Arkansas. Explain to me why Arkansas is going to beat old, old. I think Ole Miss isn't a bad team. I think Ole Miss wins. I, I heard you talking with Russo about that. We'll talk about Ole Miss and Arkansas coming up, and it makes sense because we're going to go to SEC country with our buddy Jick Jack Johnson next here on the Lombardi Line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, of course, it's BetMGM, the king of sports books, the sponsor here of the Lombardi Line World Cup Bracket Challenge. Pick a perfect bracket and get a top prize of $250,000. This is awesome. Of course, the World Cup coming up here in just a bit. Remember, you can also get the World Cup betting guide over at vcent.com slash subscribe, but BetMGM's running a great promo. You're going to love this. Just go fill out the bracket, and if you get a perfect bracket, you can win $250,000. BetMGM.com, download the app. you got to be 21 years or older. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, we got you back here. Michael Lombardi there at the Borgata. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Hope you're having a nice weekend. This, of course, is the Lombardi line. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We now head down to the bayou and bring an old boy, Carl Johnson. Jick Jack Johnson, he runs the race in sportsbook there at the sure. Beau Rivage. And first off, Michael, I don't know if you heard, but my man's playing injured. He was putting eggs into the refrigerator, and he tweaked his back. So how are you feeling, Carl? Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, uh, much better today, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, boy, it's heck to get old, bro. Uh, just putting a carton of eggs in the refrigerator and uh, just a slight bend to the back, and I couldn't move. I mean, today's the first day I'm not really, really hobbled. That's well, amazing. We're glad, we're glad you're okay, and you and I were also discussing, maybe you can explain to the novice betters how you handle a situation like Cleveland and Buffalo down at the Bow do you void those bets when it was moved to Detroit, Carl? Yeah, so, uh, you know, and I think each sports book's probably a little bit different. But for us, I mean, we recreate. Once they moved the site, we totally recreated the game, gave it another route number, another another spread. Uh, and then, you know, like you guys were talking about earlier, I, I don't think they're going to play this game tomorrow. I, you know, I I see it. I mean, I'm just – look, I'm, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just talking here, but – you know, I can see them rescheduling this game, pushing it back to maybe midweek, maybe a Monday or Tuesday night, still back in Buffalo. So we may have to do this all over again, Patrick. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the problem is, Carl, they play Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. Yeah. So the schedule, they would have to play a two-third, you know, like how do you fit it in? Buffalo's already had their bye, so they can't put it in on their bye week. Yeah. You know, they, they could put them on a Monday night, you know, but then they've placed, you know, they can't, it's kind of hard. They got to play the game unless they extend it out or play another week of the, which they're never going to do. So they got to figure this out. And, you know, the problem is it would be easy just say, okay, we're going to play it Monday in Buffalo. Uh, but the problem is they got a game Thursday. So how do you do that? Like, that's not fair to the play. If we, you're talking public, you're talking health and safety, you're playing a game on Monday and then you're playing a game on Thursday. That doesn't make sense. 
So yeah. and you can't reschedule a Thursday game because it's on Thanksgiving. So yeah. you know, and it's Detroit. I mean, Detroit. Oh, you can't just slip another opponent in to play Detroit. So I, I think the biggest mistake of all this was Buffalo not leaving Thursday afternoon and getting out of town. Totally. Yeah. I mean, how did they not get up? How did they not get them out of town? I don't. I don't get. I, that. I don't understand how they thought that the storm was going to be able by Saturday afternoon. Everything was going. Now maybe they could pull it off. I don't know. You know, and I hope they do. But I worry about the safety of the players getting from their house to the state, to the to the office, to the bus. I mean, it's a very complex thing. And then, you know, it's challenging. Yep. Nightmare percent. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see if we actually play that game coming up tomorrow in Detroit with Cleveland and Buffalo. Let's start here, kind of unconventional, but Michael brought it up. Ole Miss, Arkansas. So Ole Miss's season was last week, right, Carl? I mean, that was everything. They lose to Alabama. It was a perfect spot for Ole Miss. They now have to quickly bounce back and take on Arkansas. You got a short number, one and a half, two here with Ole Miss laying it. Yeah, we. I mean, we opened here two and a half, 60 and a half. Uh, right now, we're at two and 65 and a half. Uh, so that total's ticked up well, uh, you know, five and a half points, uh, five points after opening. Uh, Ole Miss getting the money here, 65% of the money, 80% of the tickets. Yeah. See, that's funny. So that's great. That's a great point. I, I don't understand where the love of Arkansas is coming from. They've they've lost five of the last seven games that they've beaten. And, one, and in that loss, my man Hugh Freeze comes in there and beats them 21-19. So – you know, offensively, without K.J. Jefferson, who's been kind of in and out of the lineup, I mean, they struggle. You know, and against LSU, they, you know, they did a horrible job of protecting the quarterback. You know, and and I thought to me, and and they they had a chance in that game, but they never really protect. They turned the ball over. I think there's it's just not as comfortable as it was last year there at Arkansas. And I think Ole Miss. I mean, look. Ole Miss has got a, you know, they're they're playing for a really good bowl game. I mean, you know, you you lose, you got killed by LSU, but then you you were in there. Then they got Mississippi State. That this is a game they have to win. I mean, they have to win this game. If and if they do, you know, they're going to get a hell of a bowl game. I I think this is why the pressure's really on Ole Miss. Carl, Michael, I'll one up you. You're talking about Arkansas. How about Kentucky? Kentucky just lost to Vanderbilt, Michael Lombardi. Vandy had wow. lost 26 straight in the SEC and lost to Kentucky. This was a Kentucky team, Carl, that after week four, they were ranked seventh in the country. I mean, they've completely fallen apart. Here comes Georgia. Georgia's on a roll, obviously, just beating up on Tennessee. They're laying 22 and a half there at Kentucky, Carl. Yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we opened. Uh, we opened 22 and a half, 49 and a half, and we're at 22 and a half, 48 and a half. Uh, Georgia getting all the money and tickets here, 75% and 75% both ways. Yeah, I mean, here's what happens to these programs like Kentucky, that the, when they get a couple guys hurt that, you know, then it's not as public as the NFL, that they, all of a sudden, you know, they can't really get back into it. You know, and their defense, which was their strength, just hasn't been as good as they needed it to be. And then offensively, you know, last week losing to Vanderbilt to me is bad. I mean, you come off a of beat Missouri, you know, that was a heck of a win for them. And then they lose to Vanderbilt. That That's not good. A hundred percent. You nailed it with Kentucky and the offense. They just can't get anything going. Sorry to interrupt you, Carl. Go ahead, buddy. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, Mike makes a great point. And I think that's the difference between these teams that are trying to get to that next step. They just don't have the depth. You know, they yep. they may be, you yep. know, they may they may have that top 11, but they just can't go beyond if they suffer those injuries. 
And, and what happens is, as sports bettors, we tend to say, well, you know, they, 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 they had Ole Miss, they played them close, but the team that played in week four is a different team than in week eight. And we sometimes lose sight of that. I think SC's problem defensively is the depth of their defense because they were playing better early, and by the end of the year, they're not playing well. So I think you have to always take that into account. Hey, fellas, call call me square, but TCU continues to win. They continue to cover. I think the test was last week in Austin. Baylor, I understand the home field, but Baylor just got trounced at home. I love TCU. I know it's square, but I love TCU laying two, two and a half. Where are you, Carl, today on that matchup? Yeah, we opened at three and 58. Uh, Right now we're at two and a half, 57 and a half. Uh, Look, I agree. I mean, I love TCU last week also. It seemed like a real square play. Uh, but they just keep winning. I mean, you know, they're they're not getting any love. Uh, they are getting bet. I mean, ninety uh, percent of the money and eighty five percent of the tickets is on TCU here. Uh, but uh, they're just not getting any love. I mean, I, I love them again today. Hey, Carl, you get any action on the Yale Harvard game today? You got to be getting some <laughs> on that. Everybody wants to play the Yale Harvard game, huh? Yeah, no, they are not on our radar down here in the south. <laughs> uh, just for the record, uh, I mean, Harvard's a point-and-a-half favorite if you want to play it. Thank you. Appreciate that, Michael. Uh, Illinois, Michigan, how about that one? It's going to be windy, Michael. It's going to be potentially, you know, 20-mile-an-hour gust. Illinois, what happened to Bielema in Illinois? All of a sudden, oh, they've man, lost they two turn- straight. There's a four-way tie in the Big Ten West to see who's going to play either Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten, Big Ten Championship game. What do you got Michigan Lane here hosting Illinois, Carl? Uh, yeah, so uh, we opened 17 and a half, 42 and a half. Uh, looks like the weather's kicked in a little bit. We're at 17 and a half, 41 and a half right now. So, yeah. I mean that 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 that's always gets me. You got a seventeen and a half spread and a forty one and a half total. That that's kind of like that's an interesting imbalance there. That when you see that, but I, I think weather is going to be a factor. And look, one thing Purdue was able to do. Purdue really took away the run game last week, and that's what Michigan has to do to stop Illinois. That's the key to playing against Illinois. You've got to be able to make them one dimensional and make Devito have to throw it to beat you. Chase Brown is their best player, the running back, the nation's leading rusher, and he is questionable today for Illinois. So make sure you check the injury report there. We got a minute left, Carl. I want to get your take on USC, UCLA quickly. Where are you sitting with that number? Yeah, maybe maybe one of the biggest games of the day for us, uh, besides that TCU-Baylor game. Uh, We opened at uh, one and a half, 75 and a half. We're at two and a half, 76 and a half. And this game's been bet each uh, during the week. It's been, you know, we get USC money, we get UCLA money. Uh, right now, it's pretty close to even. I mean, we're a little high. Uh, USC is getting 55% of the money with 60% of the ticket count right now. Okay, Carl, tell us, you know what people want. What are you eating today, buddy, with that bad back? Yeah, so today is a uh, fried chicken day. I'm going to do some fried oh, chicken okay. and also some chicken fingers. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a dipping day. I'm going to dip my sauce today. Oh, hey, hey Michael, the, oh. chi- the chickens are scared down there at the bayou, huh? This is a big time chicken oh, day yeah, for Carl. They run it. And the t- hey, Carl, are you doing traducting on Thanksgiving? Uh, no, actually, I'm going to close. I'm going to work, Mike. I'm going to give some people some time off. I, but I might hit it Friday. You're the best. Jack Johnson, Matt Humans is next. <laughs> 